Trek program. It's time for action, Program complete. Listen when ready. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Nerd Trek Podcast, everybody. I am Jeff. I'm here with David. Hey, guys. Our other co-host, Phil, could not make it. So sitting in for Phil is our dear friend, Anna Margaret. Hello. Yay. I'm so excited. I'm not as cool as Phil, but I'm so excited to be here. You're so much cool. She's cooler than Phil. Cooler so than much Phil. cooler. <laughs> Don't tell him. Uh, but more importantly, we have a special guest. We are not going to make anyone watch an episode of Star Trek, which is what we normally do. Um, that wouldn't make sense this time, I think. So we actually have a special guest with us. Welcome to the show, Rod Roddenberry. Hey, hey, I'm glad to be here, but but definitely not more importantly. Y- you guys are the more importantly, I'm just the guest. So No, people get sick of us. So uh, basically, I'm just telling that for my dad because my dad already listens to us. So He's if I say you're more important, it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Far less important than the guys who actually do the show. No. Um, no. Uh, first of all, thank you for, for doing this. We, we appreciate it. Sure. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I, I want to tell the story really, really quick because I know this deeply embarrasses David. Um, so we met you, uh, in Vegas at the 56 year mission. Uh, oh. it was after a party. I, I had a few drinks in me. So, and, and you were stuck uh-huh. and, and you were stuck in the elevator with us for about 30 seconds. So I shot my shot uh, to talk, talk to you and invite you onto our show. Um, and of course I had to blurt out that David doesn't like Wrath of Khan, which I was like, I don't think Rod cares, <laughs> but it embarrasses David to no end. And I do. Yes. I really do. And Jeff decided to shoot that up before I knew who was walking in front of us. And I'm like, ah, oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. And then we just hear laughing no, from up the hallway. There, there's <laughs> few people who who hate that movie. And, and while I enjoy it, I, I am also not one of the people who goes to that movie as like, it's my number one. It's the best one ever. I understand why it is very good. Um, but uh, it, it is not my favorite either. Um, I wouldn't Wait, say I hate it. Just not my favorite. But that begs the question, then, what is your favorite? Oh, of course. You know, it's tough with movies. It's Yeah, (laughs) favorite movie in general. Um, That's a long, that's a bigger one. Um, uh, The quick answer on that one, and and this is not well thought out, but I would say uh, um, (laughs) uh, Contact and Interstellar are up there in terms of favorite movies. There are others that are favorite, but those are in a realm of favoriteness. Uh, Star Trek. You know, first contact is is great, but that's that's nostalgia. That's getting that cast together and them just that that family and that feeling and and growing up being a next gen fan. That's just a warm fuzzy. You know, everything yep. except for the uh, uh, Borg. Which listen, that was the great action, and they needed it in there. But to to be down on Earth, right? You know, after I guess World War Three or whenever that was, and 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 have work with um the guy, the warp guy, who I should know anyhow. Um, uh, uh, Cochran, thank you. Yeah, Zephyrin Cochran. Um, that that was a great, great character movie for me. Um, then you know what? My number two. I'm actually. I think today I'm gonna say JJ's first 2009 Star Trek. Hey, that's a good one. I love that one. That is a good one. <laughs> yeah, and the, I've never been brought to tears in the first ten minutes of a movie when uh, when uh, uh, Kirk's father, George George Kirk, George Kirk. Is it George? George. Anyhow. Um, like when yeah, when he sacrifices himself 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, listening to the the cries of his new baby, newborn baby. That's that was a beautiful, tragic, incredible scene. It is absolutely, and it's definitely a different vibe for Star Trek. I think it, it which it was probably needed in some extent just for new audiences for a new century or to spice things up a bit with a lot more lens yeah. flare, which is fine. Yeah. Oh, all the lens flares. All the lens flare. I mean, um, I edit lens flares into my photos, so I'm here for it. Like, all the lens flares. I, I've got lens flares. Lens flare. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I think we've all got I, I didn't even try. It's there. It's already it there. No one can see this. This is, is, what is makes JJ directing this? this is I was going to say, no one can tell, but JJ's standing in the corner of Rod's room just directing the <laughs> yeah, video. He set up, to... Yeah, he set up my camera. Yeah, he set up my camera <laughs> and got all the lighting positioned perfectly, so I'd have an extra lens flare. Knew it. Perfect. Um, Perfect. One of the things that we typically do on on our show when when we have a guest, uh, and Anna can can speak to this, um, we often ask how they got into Star Trek, or like what was their what was their nerd trek, their journey into nerdum. Um, I think it's safe to say we probably know what yours is, but well, I've got two answers, but I mean, I'll let you go with your butt, and then I can actually answer that. I think. But well, go ahead. So my my butt was going to be what's <laughs> like, what is your nerd truck? What are you nerdy about? Like, is it sports or like music or like what's your nerd thing? Great, great, great question. You know, I think uh, three, four, five years ago, I would have said scuba diving. You know, I, I loved scuba diving. I, I, everywhere I traveled was for scuba diving. I loved the gear. I loved maintaining the gear. I loved accessorizing. I loved geeking out. I read, you know, scuba books, stories and stuff like that. I was, I mean, I guess that was my nerd, uh, a, a bit of a nerd thing. Um, certainly wasn't the best at it, but was fairly proficient. Um, that's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm now it's kind of split between some of that, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I, I love off-roading. Um, you know, I've got a, a lifted Jeep and, and dropped an LS3 and not personally, but an LS3 V8 engine in it. Which is not great for the environment. Trust me, I I, I know all this, but I'm kind of you but know I've got that redneck geek, geek you know <laughs> geekness about it, and I've got all the gadgets and an iPad in there, and and I love being in sort of my cockpit of my 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 adventure mobile and going off into you know unknown places and and being able to climb over pretty pretty extreme obstacles. So that that's I love adventure. I really love adventure. I think. So. That that makes sense. I mean, like between scuba diving, which is an entirely new world, uh, and mm -hmm. then off roading, yeah, I, that's definitely adventure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to do more of it. So. Yes, I know. I, during COVID, I got scuba uh, certified, and so oh, I've been trying nice. to like go out. I was like, because what's the most isolated thing I could do? Uh, it's being underwater with my own oxygen. So mm -hmm. it was perfect. <laughs> yep. Friendly. For no, sure. it works yeah. perfectly. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's the closest thing to really being on an alien world. You are in an alien environment. Everything there, that environment will kill you if you do not have uh, a, a, a breathing apparatus. And mm -hmm. the fish and the octopi and all the life is incredibly alien compared to what we're used to. And physics is, well, not physics, but, you know, moving around the physics of your environment are completely different. And it's, it's uh, if anyone truly wants to experience an alien world, being underwater is is the closest thing we're going to get until we start uh, colonizing uh, planets. Oh, right. Colonizing planets sounds terrible, though. Why does it? It's got such a negative. <laughs> like just because you think mm. of human colonization, we you know That's, we're an infestation yeah. when we do that somewhat. Yeah, uh, colonizing anyhow. has a bad rep. 
Yeah, it's, it's yeah. For, for for a good reason, a bad rap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, visiting sense. planets and appropriately coexisting with whatever is there without harming, hopefully, anything that's there. Oh, exactly. That's a whole other discussion. <laughs> it, we need to workshop yeah. the phrasing, make it a little catchier so it works on infographics. Yes. But that's like the gist, yes. <laughs> it, it actually reminds me of um, a Next Generation episode. I don't know it, but uh, and, and I don't know who in, in this group right here is a, a TNG fan. But there was a there was a planet that they went to and they, they Starfleet said it was like there was no life there. And then I can't remember the exact story, but so there was a, a base of humans and they had to be rescued. Anyhow, there ended up being this microscopic crystal life form or, or, yes. or matrix life form that was evolving at a super hyper speed. And, and the whole episode is kind of revisiting that, that life form in different stages and its ability to start communicating with us and, and us as, as well, humans at that point, Starfleet recognizing that we have to be more diligent in understanding what a life form is because just cause we, we did a little bio scan and, and looked at the planet didn't mean we, we, we looked for all kinds of life form. And this was, a, I think, a silica life form. And it was a, a great episode to teach us what we don't know. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but it was, yeah, they, they beam it onto the ship and it's like it, it uses like flashing lights and it communicates with them. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. like season two, I think. It is a great episode. And they revisited that in Lower Decks in the last season when they're racing the AI ship and they show up at a planet and the AI ship just takes off. And they're like, no, no, there's some kind of life form here. It might be sentient. It might be something we have to save. And then they lose the race because they check it out and find out that there's nothing there, but they do their due diligence. And then they, they win the race because the AI ship was too quick and didn't do what oh, it wow. was supposed to do. Um, it's actually, yeah, it's a great episode. I think it was the season finale of the last season. Is that when they do the race? Season with the, three? the Texas. Yeah. With the Texas class ships. It was either the, the Cali second to the last or the, or the last. Yeah. It was, it was one of those last ones, it was but one of those. it was nice. a great episode. Yeah. So, yeah. I've got some catching up. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little busy. That that is understandable. <laughs> well, that came um, out super recent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's go back. What you said you have two answers for how you got into Star Trek. Yeah, these are, I mean, cute stories, and, and some people might have heard these before, but I mean they they the the truth. Um my my uh well really the the main story was me being, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years old in my father's home office in his bathroom. He had a eight millimeter is it eight millimeter projector yeah i think mm -hmm. an eight millimeter projector and he had the blooper reel and nice. he put a little cardboard piece of white cardboard spray painted board up and it was probably i don't know uh, a foot and a half by a foot and he would play that for me in his office and i would sit there on the floor just giggling and giggling because you know kirk running into a door and the door not opening or someone slipping in but it was all the sort of slapstick uh, uh things that that blooper reels would have um, and I, I just that that was one of my my introductions to it. And then the more serious one where I really sort of it clicked. Um, I don't know how old I was, 20s, something like that, maybe um, Devil in the Dark, the original series mm, episode. Yep. Um, where uh, uh, there's there's the uh, you know, spoiler alert for anyone, but there's a rock monster <laughs> on the planet and and it's killing human miners. Miners are there mining. And they're mining crystals, and the Enterprise is brought in. Sorry, you guys all know this. And is brought in to sort of, I guess, investigate and save the day. And I think at first, maybe they try to kill it because it's killing the humans. Because they just think it is a 
rock monster killing humans. Yeah. But then Spock really decides got to communicate with it. And once we communicate with it, we find out that the, the crystals that we're mining are its children. And so now who's the devil in the dark? It's the humans killing the, the offspring of this, of this uh, rock monster, which is, uh, turns out to be a mother and is doing what any mother would do. It's protect its children. And so and every time I say that, I just got chills again. I always get chills saying this because that, that, that is Star Trek for me at its best. When you have a particular point of view and you come into it with an assumption and your own point of view, and then the episode switches on you and gives you a different point of view and makes you go, holy shit, I was looking at this the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. And I need to sort of have, you know, I, I, I need to look and, and consider the other points of view this could be. This wasn't a monster. This was a mother protecting its young. What else in the world are we looking at differently? What else could we be looking at differently? So I, anyhow, that, that, that is Star Trek at its best. I'm not saying it's the best episode. I'm just saying when Star Trek is doing that and you're entertained and there's actions and there's space and lasers, all that great, that is Star <laughs> Trek at its best. And yeah. sorry, I swore, forgive me if I, uh, you can bleep me. Oh, it's, it's fucking okay. You're fine. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. You're good. Um, no, but I think that I, uh, you're right. Um, I've always found that sci-fi especially it can, can get away with a lot more, whether it's the original series doing episodes about racism or Vietnam or then into TNG and DS9 doing about like gender identity um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and all of that and like, and everything else that Star Trek has covered in 56 years. I mean, um, it, if you slide it under the the cover of like, oh, this is aliens and there's lasers, you, you can do a lot with it. Yeah. Um, how do you, so you also do the, uh, the Roddenberry podcast networks, like all of those, how did you kind of get started doing Roddenberry entertainment and, and, and starting up podcasts? Oh, the short version of that story. So my <laughs> mother, yeah. So I guess uh, the short, long version of that story is, uh, uh, B. Joe and John Trimble, mm -hmm. uh, who are sort of era one Star Trek fans. They were around in, of course, the late 60s during Star Trek. And, and uh, B. Joe, actually, and John both met my father around them when he was filming the original series. Anyhow, long story short, my understanding is they sort of had this idea like, hey, we could be selling stuff. We know the show's not making much money, but fans love this stuff. And so my father sort of gave him the green light to just start selling Trotsky things, like, uh, I don't know, bumper stickers and film clips and things like that. Yeah. And then uh, a year or two later, I think my mother came in and, and sort of, um, I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm not proud to say this, but I think she kind of went in and took it over. Um, and, and I don't think there was anything hostile or mean, or it was just sort of like, oh, okay, well, she's going to come in and run it. So took it over and called it Lincoln Enterprise, named after President Lincoln. Apparently my father, you know, had a, a liking for the guy. Okay. And, um, and, uh, I guess I'm making this way too long. That's they ran that good. for a number of decades, sort of after a while, because it was mail order. It was about sending, again, bumper stickers, keychains, these kinds of things. And it was a business, and it was a mom and pop. They didn't sell it to, to Kmart or Costco. It was out of, usually out of a warehouse in either the, the bowels of Hollywood. I mean, I, all these places I went to, I, I, there were drug needles and everything all over the, the area. Not inside, not the people doing it, but all around. And then Panorama City, which is that's I saw my, my first AK-47 there. 
So all these places were in sketchy neighborhoods. Mail order never really made a ton of money. My mother kind of let it go. And then around 2000, I decided to take it over, brought it online and changed its name to Roddenberry.com because I was very proud and still am, of course, of the Roddenberry name and Star Trek. And I started to sell more things. And then uh, my business partner, Trevor Rock, came aboard. I'm skipping a number of years. And um, and he had sort of a marketing background and, and sort of said, you know, we can make this into an entertainment company. And I said, I, I you know, I'm not that interested in an entertainment company, but sure. And uh, we've grown our, our entertainment company since. Now, we've done very small things, um, but, you know, Star Trek is certainly one of them. But that, that is really run by CBS, Paramount and Secret Hideout. We've, we, we've got a seat at the table. We, uh, we, we share our notes and suggestions and we have uh, many phone calls during the week, so we are a part of it, but by no means do I want to take any sort of credit. The the secret hideout team, Alex Kurtzman and and everyone aboard there, they are the ones who are really uh, the creators or, or the or the thinkers behind all these new Star Trek shows, as well as the teams they have brought on to run and produce those shows. So um, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's sort of what Roddenberry Entertainment is oh, yeah. these days. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great answer. And do not worry about the rambling. We go down rabbit holes. Our <laughs> listeners are used to that. We'll start on one topic and talk about something and come all the way around for, for a 10-minute spiel. So. No, actually, let, let me correct David. That is not rambling. That is an interesting story. So Actually, that's true. Don't that worry. had a point and a focus and a place you were going instead of just kind of yeah, <laughs> circling. So that's, that's better than we usually get. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Good. That's fair. Um, Good. Well, especially now with so many, I mean, I know everyone kind of says that the 90s was this golden age with, you know, TNG and DS9 Voyager. But I mean, I think now there's so much just v- variety in Star Trek of what they're, mm-hmm. you know, between two yeah. animated shows and what Disco is doing. And then you kind of get the old school Strange New Worlds. And then Upper Card is giving us the, you know, nostalgia feels. Um, I mean, since you've grown up and seen kind of these different eras, um, do you find this is or this is just kind of meeting the the needs of what the Star Trek fans are now, or kind of where we're at in the 21st century? You know, it's a, there's a lot of questions right now uh, it, it, that I have um, pertaining to mostly what you're saying, um, and I'll, I'll just dance around a few topics. One being. You know, since I was sort of a product of the next generation, I, I knew what the original series was. I had seen it, but I hadn't really watched it, and I wasn't really that into it. But, you know, I, I became a genuine fan of the next generation when that came out. And, of course, I remember hearing, even though I was a kid, that you know people were like, oh, you know, this next generation, I'm not going to watch it. No one can replace Kirk. There was this sort of, like, hostility and sort of like, you, you, don't, don't touch Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Um, don't ruin it. Don't bring mm-hmm. in this new crew. Anyhow, so... Over time, obviously, Next Generation won people over. Um, I can't say everyone, but I would say a large majority. I mean, Star Trek Next Generation was the, the hottest Star Trek there's been to date. Um, sure. And so the there's same like thing came about. And screaming into change. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> and and I, you know, I didn't feel that way. But what I will say is that when Discovery came out, you know, since Next Generation was my 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 baby. Um, it, it was it was a hard adjustment for me because it is a different kind of Star Trek. Now it has many of the same characters and and, and not characters, but many of the same uh, character points and story points and, and and ethics and those type of things. But it's it's darker. It's a grittier Star Trek. Um, yeah. um And and I I really gravitate towards 
Star Trek that shows us in the future as a better humanity, meaning the, the pettiness that we that we all suffer from, including myself today, our, our judgment, our, our character flaws, our our, our hostility towards others, our, our, our how quick we are to to snap and judge without thinking and contemplating uh, and assessing situations are our, our, our reacting as opposed to acting. Anyhow, I felt Next Generation always did a great job of showing what a idealized a group of humans working together could do. Um, And I I think we have that potential. Uh, uh, The new shows don't don't always show that. There's, there's, you know, characters who stand above and beyond and say, this is not us, this is not Starfleet, we can be better. And that's, Mm -hmm. and that's what I love. And that's, um, and I, and I think a lot of people out there appreciate that because there was a lot of that in Deep Space Nine um, where you could see the characters growing and improving, whereas Next Generation, on some level, they were sort of already there. Um, so, so it, sorry, all of this is to say it, it, it has been a bit of a transition, but I, I really love where Discovery is now. You know, jumping into the future uh, where Michael Burnham is, is, is captain, whether she's captain or not, the, the crew, the way it works together, um, the way it is out there trying to carry on the, the ideals of the Federation and trying to grow it and and protect and, and do what's right in, in all circumstances. That That is that is great Star Trek um, in the uh, last two seasons. Um, and then Picard is, again, nostalgic in the sense that, you know, you bring that cast back and and uh, it's great to see where they are today and, and, and the, uh, the, the obstacles they have to get through. And of course, Strange New Worlds, you know, we all knew that was going to be a winner because it really harkens back to the original series. And That's I've got to say, Anson, <laughs> yeah, yeah, under, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and Anson Mount nails. I mean, Amazing. I love his portrayal of Pike. Yeah. In the second season of discovery, um, when he came aboard the bridge and sort of, and, and just right at the beginning when he addressed the crew and said, he showed his records on the screen and said, you know, this is where I failed this class. He, he became, became very human. And he said, there's the only way we're going to do this as a team. And, and that's the kind of leadership that I, I think is, is needed everywhere in the world, where someone comes in and says, we're going to do this by respect. I respect you. You respect me. We're going to work together. We're going to collaborate. I, I, they, they position people around them who have an incredible amount of knowledge in the areas that they specialize in. And that's you, you gain from that. You talk to them. You you. Ask them questions, and then you make a, an informed decision. That's, I mean, that is beautiful leadership. The kind of leaders who come in and rule, rule with uh, an iron fist, that's, that's not leadership. That's, that's intimidation and fear. Um, and sure, you can, you can run something that way, uh, but in the long run, that's not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen how, how the mirror universe works, and it does not work well. And that's, that's very that yeah. kind of same vibe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't get me started on the mirror universe. <laughs> the mirror universe is a little something I, uh, I, I we have a we have a hostile relationship. The mirror universe and I. That's understandable. I, yeah, I feel like people are very divided. Either they love the mirror universe and whenever it appears in original series, Deep Space Nine or Discovery, or they like, you know, hate it or love it. I love predicting shows. So when the mirror universe popped in in Discovery, I spent the whole time like ah. Ah, is it coming? Is this a thing? So I got really excited, but I don't no, know. good. And I, I and I hope you enjoyed the episodes. <laughs> they were good. I'm curious. Good. So 
I do you, like, I feel like when so often the careers we go in, they're influenced by all sorts of things, like the media we watch, the people we hang out with. I'm curious what you wanted to be when you were a kid or like, what did you want to grow up to do? Were you inspired at all by your dad or like movies or the space element? I, I never wanted to be in the industry. And I would argue that maybe I still don't even want to be in the industry. That's not true. I mean, I, I enjoy aspects of the, I want to be proud of what, I or we are working on. And I can say with Star Trek, um, I, I am very proud uh, of, of what it is we're working on. Um, but, you know, my father killed himself in the industry. And so many people do, whether they're working, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days. And they, they see the, the people on set more than they see their own families and their children and their wives and, and husbands and, and, and all of that. So um, I, People kill themselves and then something comes out and then, you know, back in the old days, luckily now it's not as much like this. Back back in the old days, they'd work for years to get a series off the ground, show two or three episodes, and then it would be just pulled. And and um, and, and listen, sometimes for good reason. Sometimes stories are just bad. But sometimes, I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know how it is for you, but I'm going to take a shot at this. Everyone that I talk to has some sort of experience where there's a new series on the air. Someone tells them about it, whatever it takes a while maybe to go watch it. And then you have to force yourself into maybe anywhere between three and five episodes. And it's, and it's a little bit of a force, but after that fifth one or fourth one or whatever, you're hooked. Yeah. And I'd say almost every show out there, I, I, it's hard for me to get into. But when I finally watch that fourth or fifth episode, I'm like, okay, I'm in now. And um, I, I, I just don't like it when things are pulled so quickly because people didn't immediately jump on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely with you on that. I love giving, I give everything at least a first season because I'm like, if you can't get it done in the first season and tell me what you're about, then it's a little more likely to jump off. And of course, there are those shows that got canceled early. Firefly. Um, I love Firefly. <laughs> which is a, which yeah, is me a, too. A sore point for me, but because uh, I'm a big Firefly fan. But that's exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Sometimes they would get yanked for reasons unknown and all these behind the scenes things and leave people hanging and just going, what happened? Um, what would you say? Well, is, there, is there a show that comes to mind for you specifically where it's been that where you had to get like five episodes in and then it really hooked? Yes. And I, uh, everything's becoming a blur. Um, and I, <laughs> there's probably 20 shows that if I had recall i could tell you and now i'm just uh, oh, oh not to, um this is a terrible example yeah this is a terrible example my friend told me over and over i don't know five years six eight what i mean i watch other shows but rick and morty yeah when that oh, first came okay. out season one came out my friend's like oh it's so hilarious you'll love it and i i gave it a shot and i'm like this just isn't my style of humor this is not into it and then I, I think like another six months went by. It's like, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to watch more. So I fought through whatever, three or four episodes. And of course, by that time, I'm like, okay, this is, this is terrible and wonderful. This is like the worst <laughs> and best comedy. It's dirty. I hope no one knows that I'm watching this. But of course, um, the humor has gone way beyond what I thought it could on that show. And I love it. Uh, but there's plenty of other shows that aren't as um, uh, crass. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, I, I love that. a lot of them where they, they take a bit to yeah. find their footing and stuff. I mean, we've, we've been watching through even Star Trek and talking about the different 
series, and it is that way with a lot of them too. We're like in season one, and we're like, it's good, but it's not quite in its footing. It's not there yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, didn't didn't necessarily shake off some of the previous series or some of the things that they could yep. use yet. And even they usually about a season in catch their stride, and then it becomes what it's supposed to be, and that can be yeah. amazing to watch. <laughs> I actually like really struggled with that aspect of Star Trek because when I was younger, my dad would just cherry pick his favorite episodes and just show mm-hmm. me the good ones. So I didn't actually watch Star Trek all the way through until in college. I would, like put it on while I was grading and I'd be like, this is terrible. I've never seen this episode. <laughs> like, what, yep. what is the start of the season? I remember like texting my dad like, what, what, like, what is this? And says. So yeah, I missed it. I skipped over those boring intros. And now it makes it harder to like go through the beginning of shows sometimes. So I'm like, oh, can't someone yep. watch it first and tell me where to jump in? Jump in. No, I, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, and, and it's so crazy what they got away with. I don't want to say got away with, but, you know, the, the movie that Star Trek, when they made Star Trek in the, in the late 60s, I mean, sci-fi wasn't new. There had been books for, for many years, if not centuries. I don't know how long. For, for a long time, people have been long. thinking about the future. Let's put it that way. Sure. Um, but, of course, they came up with ideas like, let's go to a Nazi planet. Yeah. And, and, and it's just sort of crazy stuff like that where I'm getting a little off topic here. But if you, you just because it was done in the past doesn't mean it should be done now. And so I have that going back to the mirror universe, like to, to go into a what you're calling mirror universe. And everyone's basically just kind of the opposite. Well, I, listen, I'm not a physicist or anything like that, but I, that's not how the mirror universe. If there's another universe, <laughs> it just means something's different. I mean, there's so many different ways to go. And Star Trek's always been about a form of believability. Yep. You know, that's why that's why Spock doesn't have you know, wings on his ears so he can fly, you know, that's, that's not believable. <laughs> um, so, so I've always put the mirror universe, even, even mind melding. I mean, I think that was something that was done back then because they needed to achieve an objective. I mean, that was the story. And you know what? Yeah. It, they were fast and loose with some of the sci-fi sort of believability rules back then. I don't know if they should be as fast and loose. Um, I, I, I think, uh, Mind melding, some sort of that, that's that's um, that might be a there might be some form of energy that we haven't discovered yet. It's something that's so that we haven't detected because I do not believe we've discovered everything in science. I'm I'm, I'm hoping and assuming 100 what? years and 500, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, maybe there is a scientific way to uh, explain uh, a melding of the mind or mind control or something like that that we're just not there yet, but. Sure. I, in that case, I think you use that that sparingly, and and you you don't bring it in, you know, as much. You know, you don't have telepathic conversations between uh, Vulcans. So I yeah, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent, but this is sort of a little that's thing okay. that sticks tangent. with me. Yeah, because it is a bit that more mirror that, universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it is a bit more of that. Say, if you want to call it supernatural or like fantasy aspect, that more fiction. Than, than the I, science, sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. We talk about that all the time, yes. about the differences between Star Wars and Star Trek, because I'm a big Star Wars fan. Is Star Wars is space fantasy, and Star Trek is really mm-hmm. like science fiction, where they're trying to keep a believability factor and stuff that could happen in the future. And then yeah, Star Wars is like, it's the Force, and I move things, and I can read your mind, and we have laser swords. <laughs> and, and it's great, but it's just a totally different thing. I almost feel like comparing them as apples to oranges. It's very difficult yeah. to do that. 
<laughs> and then yet Star Trek has dilithium crystals when like it wouldn't be a solid. And you're like, that's a that's a second of chemistry. That's like first Actually, semester yeah. chemistry. That's Actually, okay. so Sorry. so Anna uh, is, is a physicist. Is a physicist. <laughs> um, so oh, if nice. you want to explain this to <laughs> us. <laughs> now, if you're, this is a, uh, so I, I taught high school uh, physics, chemistry, and computer science. I'm actually published in quantum. Wow. So I love talking about different wow. dimensions and talking about these different things. But I think I agree with everything you're saying about the believability aspect. I think some of the reasons yeah. I'm able to, I was able to get away showing Star Trek clips in class was because I could use them to discuss real science. And there's enough there yeah. that like, we're, it, there's that plausible deniability. They're like, oh, if I don't know it's not real, this could be real. Like I can believe this. Right, so. right, yeah. right. It, it's, it's hard to have in the conversation because someone will throw at you like, well then, and they've got gravity on the ship. How do they do that? I mean, there's there's enough <laughs> holes you could poke into my argument. There's and, a whole and, book you on know, it. The other, <laughs> yes. And the other thing is, it's a TV show and people should just enjoy it. But you know what? I take Star Trek very seriously. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I have spent a, a ton of my life of people coming up to me, telling me incredible stories of how Star Trek inspired them, changed their life, gave them hope for the future. I mean, the, the power of these stories, I mean, the, the horrible situations they've been in, uh, wh whatever the case may be, it, it's just been so incredible how impactful Star Trek has been for people. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing hundreds of thousands because I've talked to thousands of them. Sure. Um, that I am proud of it. I, you know, I think it, it has, in a small way, made the world a better place through uh, interacting with these people and giving them sort of a better view of the future and allowing them to know that, being unique and different is, is, is great and something that should be cherished and not feared. Um, so, so anyhow, I, I, sometimes I take it a little too seriously, I think. Not for me, no, I don't but think I think some people might seriously. think I take it a little too seriously. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I, well, yeah, my, there's an inherent hope in the series. Yeah, no matter well, which series it is, that's always been one of its things. And I and think that's it, great. it yeah. inspires so many people. Like, I think, so my dad's also a physicist. I'm a third generation physicist, but my dad's way smarter than me. <laughs> he found the mass of the Milky Way and has an equation named after him. But still, like, oh in God. so many of his classes and so many times, he quotes Star Trek. And I think that Star Trek inspires people to have a really positive vision of the future and of space exploration and of, you know, cool yeah. science and that it's cool to be smart and it's cool to like science. Yeah. And, like, that's awesome. That has a huge impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, Cause it's, it's inspired um, people to, to become astronauts. Uh, we, we've mm -hmm. talked to Dr. Aaron McDonald and, and even she said the same thing. It's, you know, it, it's inspires her to get into science. And then, but then she also agrees with what you're saying is like, it's this balance of science and story. Yeah. And yeah. if you got to tell a good story, then you, you gotta, it's okay to poke a few holes. Cause it's, it's, it still has to tell yeah. a story because this is still a show. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, the, 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 the science is sort of just the framework. What, what, what I really gravitate to, and I, you can always, you already tell from what I'm saying, is, is the human component. Mm -hmm. You know, who we are intellectually as a species at that point. You know, how we approach situations. You know, do we still approach them with uh, um, insecurity and fear? Or, or are we able to, to address things in a more, I mean, intellectual way and, and, and try to understand them and, and, and have, as cheesy as this is to say, unconditional love and acceptance of everything around us. Um, it's easy for me to preach this standing here. Um, it's, it's a lot harder for anyone, including myself, to do. But, 
I love that that message in Star Trek. I love the idea that we can thirst and crave for the differences between us and want to know and want to have conversations and be able to have serious conversations about controversial topics without getting overheated and without getting upset, being able to, being able to say certain things as a question because you don't understand without anyone jumping down your throat. Mm-hmm. And, and having mm-hmm. that dialogue back and forth and truly wanting to know and learn and truly wanting to listen as well as communicate, um, that, that, is, that is the only way we're going to make it into the future. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's inherently one of the best things I've about sci-fi and Star Trek is it's that human c- component. You can have all the fancy yeah. technology and, you know, like if you watch a show like The Expanse or anything where you've got these cool rockets and we're doing all these really cool things. But it's like the the people and their journey is always what I think draws people in. And that's what we relate to the most. Yeah. Yeah. And especially so that's I, why I like um, Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that all makes sense. Yeah, and even Star Trek um, was honest about it. The higher up in rank you get, you hit admiral, and you just become a terrible person, pretty much. Just that's a like a yes, yes. Like a yes. <laughs> no, the co- co- Commodore, right? Isn't the Commodore like the worst? There's a few I Commodores. Know, I, don't know. I, don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I've gotten. It just that. gets worse as as you move up. Yeah. <laughs> so is this a good time to ask if you were on yes. like a starship, what position you'd be in? Would you be? <laughs> Ooh, what do you think your job? Um, You know, I I love, so everything that I was just saying, I I would love to be that person and that idealized person. And of course, I'd love to be the Anson Mount Pike character or the Picard character. You know, I'd like to see myself that way. But if you're asking, what would I actually be in real life if somehow I was just, I'm I'm sure nothing of uh, note or uh, worthiness. Somewhere, I I think I'd do better uh, on the lower deck. the scuba instructor, like, you know, cleaning, ops. cleaning the bathrooms. <laughs> there yeah. you go. You can work, work with. Oh, the, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe, <laughs> scuba instructor, maybe that's it. I, Yeah, I, I, maybe I might be, you know, the first to explore. I, I'd be definitely a red shirt because they'd send me down first <laughs> in my suit before they actually knew what was on the planet. Yeah, I'd be dead right away. I'd be a red <laughs> shirt. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah. Um, there's there's a great book called Red Shirts. Um, I forget who the author is, but basically it's kind of a parody of Star Trek. Where basically where um, uh, where the characters in this sci-fi show learn that they're just a, a show because they're like, why does everyone keep dying? What's all this weird shit that just keeps happening? Um, but it kind of turns Trek on its head. But it, but it's such a great read. It, and it's it's just funny. So that's it's definitely like a. I've heard of it. Shirt. I've never read it. That reminds it's me good. of Galaxy Quest. I want to look it up now. It's a bit I, of Galaxy Quest, yeah. Yeah, I love Galaxy Quest. It's so good. Love Galaxy Quest. Absolutely. Um, that was, I think, the first one that did a parody of Star Trek that was like showed love and homage to the original. They were just like, yes, we're gonna yeah. take some of that and throw it in there, and and so on. Oh, it is. They did a great job. Because I saw that before I ever saw Trek. Like that was almost yeah. kind of my. Oh, before we forced you to. I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I'd watched some Trek when I was a kid, but I saw Galaxy Quest first because my aunt saw it and was like, you have to see this movie in theaters. It's great. And I watched <laughs> it. And then they're like, oh, this is based on this show. I'm like, oh, really? Let's go check out that show. <laughs> Let's go see nice. But it all comes back. It all yeah, comes back to Star possible. Trek. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I, uh, so one thing I wanted to kind of ask before we, because uh, we have you for, for a few more minutes. Um, yeah. 
uh, when I watched the 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 documentary that you made, Trek Nation, uh, from a few years back, yes, yes, that is such a good um, dealing with my own parenting issues or my own parents and learning about that, and then mm-hmm. also how Trek kind of going back to what you said about Trek and what people have got from it and 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 coming up to you and telling you these stories um so i i just appreciate you making that and being and 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 putting that out there because that that spoke a lot to me and like my own kind of childhood so so thank you for doing that no i i appreciate that you know i i I learned a great deal during that documentary that you know we we spent 10 years putting it together not because it was 10 years of hard work although it was hard work uh, for everyone involved it was 10 years of, of me mis- making mistake after mistake in terms of what the documentary was going to be. Um, and luckily, in the end, being able to pull it together. Uh, we had a, a great team of people and a lot of creative minds. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled with that documentary. So I, 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 I thank you for saying that. It was an incredible labor of love. Absolutely. Um, and I think one of the – because um, your mom has such a fan base – and seeing her in that and just how people love Loaxana and love your mom just from conventions and stories. So that was um, just learning more about her as well was such, was such a treat. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah um, I can I can from that I can tell you about 100 ways not to do a documentary. <laughs> I don't plan to make one. I if I ever do, then I'll I'll I will hire you. My life Perfect. is not nearly as, as interesting, though. <laughs> I'll be um, what not to do. Yeah. Um, well, let's do this. Um, I know you have uh, a couple uh, projects coming up. You are partnering with uh, Trek Geeks uh, for the Trek Talks 2 Telethon to benefit the Hollywood Food Coalition. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I can tell you a bit about it as a participant. Um, of course, John Billingsley, uh, who is, uh, 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 what's his character? It's Dr. Phlox? Phlox, uh, yeah. Phlox on, on Enterprise? Yeah. Um, he, he's, you know, I, I wasn't working on the series around then, so I didn't get to know him around that time. But I got to know him at conventions, and, and we, we, we'd cross paths at certain events. And I, I always found him to be incredibly brilliant. Um, and genuine and honest he's not a hollywood guy um sure he's in hollywood but you know he's not a schmoozer and you know i think everything he says is is legit i mean he, he he's not playing games and he you know uh, started with uh i mean I, I i don't know his charitable work before this but the hollywood food coalition is an organization in in los angeles and uh, it's been around for a long time but he came aboard with his wife bonnie um uh, many years ago, or I don't know how many years ago, but more than five, I think, and and really believed in what they were doing and thought there were ways that it could be improved. And he he wasn't just a celebrity who talked about, let's do this and, and make it better. He and his wife were there day, I mean, handing out food and, and figuring out how to do things and making calls constantly. He's, he's boots on the ground, he and his wife, boots on the ground, making that organization hugely successful in terms of getting food to the people that need it. And they've expanded it and grown it, and, and it, it continues to expand. And, and they're collaborating with other uh, uh, food organizations in Los Angeles and in the surrounding counties to get food, because obviously not everyone's right in one place, it's all around. So it's an incredible network that he's, and I don't mean to give just him credit. I know his wife has done a ton of it, as well as the many other people that, that work there. 
Um, it is a very worthwhile organization. It is a scalable and du- uh, you can duplicate what they're doing, meaning as this continues its success, there either are, hopefully, or can be other organizations that can take this exact model and duplicate it in other cities. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the things I love. I love the fact that that it's being designed in a way that this can be duplicated all over the world. And and whether it's the best one or not, he's not necessarily trying to outdo anyone. He wants it to be the best. And then he listens to advice and, and, and gets ideas and says, what can we do differently? How can we improve this? And um, I, I, I truly, truly respect and admire uh, John and Bonnie and, again, everyone else who worked there. Uh, for their commitment and dedication to this organization. And now getting to what you just said, they are doing something called Trek Talks on January 14th. Um, I think if you Google, you guys might be able to put the, the data up or, or, or tell people what it is, but Trek Talks yep. too. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look that up in Google or Trek Talks, uh, it should be there, January 14th. They're going to have a bunch of celebrities on and uh, and uh, different panels throughout the day. I think it's going to be roughly eight hours long on on Zoom. And and it's he, all the, the celebrities that he gets are truly fantastic. And of course, you get a little bit more of a personal uh, take on them because they all are talking to each other. And so you're hearing their stories, uh, which is a, a ton of fun. So anyhow, plugging that, uh, everyone, whatever you're doing on the uh, 14th, cancel and uh, zoom into this. It should be a lot of fun. And of course, it's all to raise money uh, for the Hollywood Food Coalition. And uh, if you can give something great, if you can't, just come and enjoy. Absolutely. Thank you. And and also go listen to all the Roddenberry podcasts because you have some great podcasts. Um, we're friends or I, I my friend um, Heather Ray uh, is on Mission Log sometimes and and, and she's always great. Yes. She she did a panel with us in in Vegas um, or mm-hmm. they sorry, they did a panel with us in Vegas. Um, but I, I, I adore Heather Ray. Um, so yeah, all the Roddenberry shows are are fantastic, and I so thank you for putting those out as as well. No, absolutely. Podcast.roddenberry.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com. I'm supposed to plug that. I, I've been told. <laughs> plug it absolutely. Um, yes. And I have one more thing. I have one more thing to you know. Yes. I, I know at the beginning of this, I said yeah, I don't really have anything to plug, but you know what? I do. Um, Go for it. Those of you out there who who enjoy Star Trek, and I'm going to guess a lot of you. Or listening to this do. I'm also going to guess a lot of you who have heard of something called Star Trek Prodigy, but maybe have just kind of ignored it because it is positioned as a kid's show. It is one of the animated shows, uh, Star Trek. Um, it, it is not a kid's show. I mean, sure, it, your, your, your two to, to ten-year-olds, uh, my nine-year-old loves it, absolutely. I love it. It, it is truthfully probably my favorite Star Trek on right now. Even, and, and and I don't mean to call any of them bad. I'm just saying it speaks to me. It it is, it, it you're taking this this. Uh, um, well, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a group of different aliens that are that are confined to this prison planet, and and they're being held there against their will. And of course, they find a Federation ship and are able to escape because the the bad guy keeping them there is is well a bad guy. Anyhow. The, these there's so much growth in these characters and how they come together and how they learn what Starfleet is and and why it's important to do these things and how they interact and the first time having first contact with another species the 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 sci-fi sci-fi is phenomenal the messaging is amazing and it's perfect for if you have a 
a family member who kind of wants to get into Star Trek but feels overwhelmed because there's so much uh, history and backstory and they just feel like it's too much. This is about uh, a group of characters who know nothing about Starfleet or Star Trek and they get onto this ship and they have to learn. And so it is a great entrance into Star Trek and it's just great storytelling. So I don't know about the three of you, if you've had a chance to watch it, I, I would love it if you did. And I would love for you to say you, you love it or you hate it. But I mean, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. It's so good. And everyone out there and everyone out there listening should definitely check <laughs> mm-hmm. it out. Sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, it's so good. And I think uh, we are recording this just after I think it won in uh, the Emmy for production design, I think. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, and- I don't know the exact title. Yeah, but it's it's a beautifully animated show. Like it's just gorgeous, and the characters are so just genuine in 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 who they are. And I think kind of going back to what you were saying about that Federation, like they're trying to be this hopeful, like to to reach the Federation standard. Uh, it's such a beautiful show. But I, and they and start I know, with no hope. But right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Anna uh, likes it too. So, I do. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. I I didn't know what to yeah. expect. I didn't know if I I didn't know if I would like it because I didn't really I don't know I didn't really have a sense of what it was. And so I actually put it on while I was getting in costume for something. So I was like doing a full face of face paint, and I remember getting face paint all over my iPad because I was like I have to watch the next one. And so even like <laughs> yeah. face paint, I'm like ah. And so I ended up I got to it late. I came into it late, and then I just like binged and caught up, and yep. it's phenomenal. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah, I have a, episodes I, out it's right on, now, and they're phenomenal. It's they definitely are. on my to-watch list. I haven't watched it yet, but I was flipping through Paramount Plus about a week ago, and my six-year-old daughter caught it and was like, oh, what's that one, Daddy? I want to watch that. And it's because of that design, the pictures, the colors, and the character look and stuff like that. So it's definitely, I think that's going to be her first foray into Star Trek. Because like you yes. said, the rest of them really aren't six-year-old and under. It's not that they can't watch them, no. but a lot goes over those heads. If they, if you try yeah. and watch, you know, just, any just go watch the animated series, the the original animated series. <laughs> yeah, sure. They'll She'll understand love all it. of that. <laughs> you know, I yeah. have a unique they, situation of having watched the yeah. show. Right. I watched it right after jaw surgery. So in my head, I love it. But I also know that I had just had reconstructive jaw surgery. So I should never rewatch the animated series. It can just oh, live yeah. in my head of being something I really enjoyed. <laughs> I'll just never go back. So so pure it is. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is great. Um, Rod, thank you so much for doing this. We we greatly appreciate it. And if you ever are in the mood to join us again, you can always come back. Absolutely, yeah. I'd be more than happy to, guys. Yes, and I'm sorry to cut it short, but I appreciate being Ooh. on. And thank you for having me. I'd, I'd love to come back. Of course, thank you so much, and and just for all the work that you're doing with Star Trek and 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 with you know Roddenberry and everything. It just thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for thanks for watching, and and everyone out there who is uh, watching Star Trek. You know, the good news is there's a lot of different Star Trek on the air, so most likely people are going to have favorites and not like certain ones and love others, and and that's great. I mean, that's that's sort of what all these new shows are about. They're different enough that there should be something that 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 speaks to you, appeals to you, entertains you, uh, inspires you, hopefully. Um, and so I, I appreciate everyone out there for you know over 50, 55 years, just about who who have uh, loved Star Trek and, and supported Star Trek and supported this idea of a better future. So uh, let's let's keep it up and let's see if we can all keep bettering ourselves and, and working towards that better future. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is well said. Um, 
let's end it on that. So let's have David do our wrap up, which is not, which will not be as, as eloquent as that though. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, find out what's your nerd trick at the nerdtrek.com where we got links to all of our social media sites. You can uh, see what Jeff, Phil and I look like in the meet the nerd section. You can go find some of our shirts at cafe press. And whenever you are done interviewing the legendary Rod Roddenberry, you can uh, give us a five-star rating and review and we'll read that out over the air when we get it. And then also there's there's Anna Margaret. Where can people f- find you, Anna? Hi. You can find me at It's Anna Margaret everywhere. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, loved being a, an unofficial host today on the <laughs> other side of. <laughs> it was perfect. Um, that's it for us, everyone. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the next one. See ya. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thank you.